here today because we are doing a series on victory in Jesus, and we have incredible victory in Jesus, and we're closing out the series. Matt kicked it off on uh, Easter Sunday, and uh, on Easter Sunday, if you haven't been here, you've got to go back and listen to it because as Matt always does, he does a phenomenal job, and I'm building off of it, so I don't have enough time, trust me, to go back and recap the whole entire series, so you've got to go back and listen to it. And uh, I, I really am building on a lot of it. And we're also using several of the same passages all throughout the whole series uh, because each one, of the, each one of the passages that we've been talking about really builds upon itself. And we were able to look at it from some different uh, perspectives. But the theme verse comes from uh, Romans uh, chapter 8, verse 37. It says, it says, despite all these things, overwhelming victory is ours through Christ who loved us, and, and Matt talked about all the different things that overwhelm us. And in spite of all of the overwhelming things of life, Christ still wins. All right. And then he went on and he talked about how Jesus overwhelms us with victory. All right. And he talked about the difference and the meaning behind overwhelms. But he overwhelms us with hope. He overwhelms us with grace. He overwhelms us with love. And if you don't know what that is, you got to go back and listen to Easter service. But Jesus, this morning, as you walked in through those doors, Jesus is superior to the voice of the world, all right? It doesn't matter what the world is saying. I don't care what media says. I don't care who the influence are, influencers are and what they say. Jesus is more powerful than the voice of the world. Jesus is more powerful than the voice of self. Ourselves are one of our worst enemies. The things that we say internally and the things we think are atrocious at times. Jesus is more powerful than that, and he's more powerful than the voice of the enemy. And as Matt said on Easter Sunday, hashtag Jesus wins, right? All right, so that's where the victory lies. That's why we can sit in here today. That's why I can stand up here today and preach the incredible victory that I'm going to be talking about today because of the work of Christ and what he did on the cross. But then Matt went uh, next week, the last week, and he talked about Jesus and the victory that he provides us over the flesh. And when he was talking about the flesh, he was really talking about the behavior. And why doesn't our behavior seem to align itself with what it is that we really want to be doing? And so he asked a great question last week, and I'm going to continue to build off of that because uh, he, he alluded to the fact that we were going to be building off of it today. But it's why do I struggle to see, feel, and experience this overwhelming victory in my daily life? So if I, if I long to do the things that I want to do, but I don't do the things I don't want to do, and I do the things I don't want to do and don't do, and all that, the confusing Romans passage that Paul gives us, what happens? Why is that a reality in our lives? Like, why do we daily struggle to see, feel, and experience the overwhelming victory that we know Christ won for us? So you've got to go back and you've got to go listen to both of those because I'm building on that today. But just like Matt was talking about last week and he kept alluding to it, he's like, we're going to talk more about the mental part next week. And that's what we're going to do today because the title of today's message is Victory of Jesus Over the Mind. All right? The victory of Jesus over the mind. And what is it that happens internally and in our minds that allows us to experience the victory of Christ on a daily basis? All right? And so that's hopefully what I'm going to be able to unpack here this morning. And you're going to walk out of here, change people, able to experience daily victorious victory right? on in every battle you face. So, but the, it's understandable. When we, look at, when we look at our relationship with Christ and we look at our lives as humans, it's really easy to get wrapped up in our human behavior. Because our human behavior is what is manifested before everybody, and it's, it's what is seen, all right? And so when it, it's easy for us to get really 
uh, focus on that. But Christ and God, they don't look at our behavior, they look at our mind, all right? So if we, I want us to say something together this morning because this is, this is how we begin the process. But repeat this with me, Christ came to transform my mind. But how? Yeah, go ahead and say but how because we all think it, right? It's part of the statement, all right? So let's do it again. Christ came to transform my mind, but how? Good. All right. So now we asked the question. Thank you for asking that. I just want to make sure that you asked it as we go into finding the answer. But we've got to ask ourselves uh, and be honest with ourselves. I know the first part is true because I've read it in the Bible. All right. But how does it really manifest itself in my life on a daily basis? And that's what Matt was talking about last week is our behavior seems to show that something different is actually happening in our lives. So I want to go to Galatians chapter 5, verses 1 through 26. Now, I'm not going to read all of it because I don't have enough time, but I'm going to stop along the way in a couple parts. But this really sets up what we're talking about here today. And uh, I encourage you to go back and read the whole passage in its entirety, but we're going to jump around a little bit. Verse 1, starting at this, Galatians 5, chapter 1, or Galatians chapter 5, verse 1. Christ has liberated us to be free. That song, that's, that song is so powerful. It is so true. He has liberated us to be free. Stand firm then and don't submit again to the yoke of slavery. The yoke of what slavery? Behavioral patterns. Don't, don't submit yourself to that which is going to bind you up and, and make you a slave to sin once again. Christ paid the debt for our sin. So don't go back to just focusing upon your behavior in that. Jump to verse 5 and it says, For through the Spirit, through the Spirit by faith, we eagerly await the hope of righteousness. And we got to get that through the Spirit because you're going to hear about the Spirit a lot today. Keep going. For the entire law is fulfilled in one statement. Love your neighbor as yourself. Everything about our Christian life is about how we love someone else. But I'm going to tell you, and I say this in our growth track, I say it in my counseling, I say it in my Enneagram trainings when I go up to Indiana, you cannot properly love another person until you understand how God has loved you. All right? You, it's impossible. Your ability to love another human is directly contingent upon your ability to love yourself. And I'm not talking about the self-love and the self-help crap of the psychological world of influencers today. I'm talking about a proper view of yourself in the eyes of God. When we understand how much God loves us, we can love another human being. Because when we love ourselves the way that Christ loves us, we're a whole lot more forgiving. We're a whole lot less condemning. We're a whole lot less guilt-tripping and shaming when we love ourselves properly. I'm not talking about the self-love of making yourself happy because your happiness is not my concern. All right, go back. I didn't finish it. But if you bite and devour... See, I might have been a little angry. But if you bite and devour one another, watch out or you will be consumed by one another. That's what we do. We bite and devour and our lives are filled full of this. That's what, that's what our selfishness desires to do. When we, when we focus on our self-love, we'll just bite and devour everybody because it's about me. It's about how you're treating me. Keep going. I say then, walk by the Spirit and you will not carry out the desire of the flesh. You will not carry out the desire to satisfy yourself. For the flesh desires what is against the Spirit. And the Spirit desires what is against the flesh. These are opposed to each other so that you don't do what you want. Matt talked about the two little guys sitting on your shoulders last week, right? All right. We all are going crazy because we all got them. All right, keep going. Oh, that's where I wanted to stop right there. But this is the battle... This is the battle that exists within each one of us. It's a daily battle. 
Right? And if we don't live by the Holy Spirit's power, we are going to lose the daily battle. So we've got to remember this. If you want victory over the mind, we've got to imagine, and we've got to remember, not imagine, we've got to remember that it's a daily occurrence. And we're getting overwhelmed. We get overwhelmed by the deception from the world. We get overwhelmed by the deception of ourselves. And we get overwhelmed by the deception of the enemy. And the only way to combat that is a life lived with the Spirit on a daily basis. Let's keep going through Galatians. But if you are led by the Spirit, you're not under the law. You're no longer condemned to the same bondage of law, of sin, that's satisfying yourself. Keep going. Now those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Right? So we're dead to ourself. We're dead to the old man. Since we live by the Spirit, we must also follow the Spirit. All right, let's read that together because this is crucial to understanding how to have daily victory in our lives. Let's start. Since we live by the Spirit, we must also follow the Spirit. That is what we have to do. If we want to experience this freedom, the, the liberation that we are singing about, if we want to know it, it comes through the Spirit. We must not become conceited, provoking one another and envying one another. You see, what happens when we, when we live according to the flesh, we want to dominate the other person. We want to prove that we are right. We break relationships because it's all about self-protection, self-preservation, self happiness it's all about it's all about that and it's that's the exact opposite of what christ came to do in this world so our problem in this world the reason why we don't experience daily victory is because we're focused only upon christ instead of the spirit all right now i'm not being heretical when i say that because this is the truth jesus won the war he already defeated everything it's only through jesus that we have the spirit but the spirit wins the battles okay Jesus won the war, but the Spirit wins the battles. And if you don't learn how to live by the Spirit, you're going to live a very defeated life on earth. And we've got to understand the power and the role of the Holy Spirit in our lives. It's like, it's like Christ has given us a fully charged flashlight to live in a world full of darkness. And we stumble around hitting ourselves and ruining relationships and hurting other people because we never turn on the power. Because we get all focused upon the doctrine of the Holy Spirit and the words of prophecy and the healings and, and we get all bent because we don't agree with each other. And we ignore the theology of the Spirit who came to give you power and victory on a daily basis. Who came to give you the fruits of the Spirit that override all things and make all relationships better regardless of your personality. We can all experience the fruits of the Spirit if we learn to walk with him you see the disciples had jesus christ right but we have the spirit christ sent his spirit as a replacement for his absence and yet many as as many of us we get we we miss out on what it is that the role of the holy spirit is to do for us on a daily basis because we don't understand it and that's how we're going to get victory over mind we've got to understand what the holy spirit came to do in our lives so let's go back to the statement that christ that christ makes it says that there is nothing on this earth or under this earth that can separate us from the love of God. There's nothing. I mean, that, that's scripture right there. There's nothing that can separate you. And that's what Matt was talking about with the, the overwhelming grace and hope of, and love of Jesus. But, hear me on this, folks. The world, ourselves, and the devil can defeat us daily if we do not live and walk in the power of the Spirit. 
We will face daily defeat if we don't learn what this walking in the Spirit looks like. So let me show you neurologically what Matt was talking about last week, all right? And so many of you may not know, um, some of you may, but back early in my ministry, I, I was working with Dr. Caroline Leaf. I'm a fan of hers, and she highly and heavily influenced the way that I, I counsel. And at one point in time, I was working on my doctorate in neuro, neuroscience and spiritual development, all right? And that was where I thought my ministry path was going to go. It didn't go there. I didn't get my degree. I had the same um, neuroscience uh, research scientist that gives Dr. Caroline Leaf her information. She gave me his number, and we were connecting, and he was going to be my research scientist through my doctoral work as well. I didn't do it. God took me down a different path, but it didn't change what I learned through that process. And so what I've learned through that process, I'm going to give to you today. I don't have enough time to, to give you all the references. I can't, I can't verify everything and all the research that I've done, all right? This is this is, I'm going to try and simplify years through two images, all right? <laughs> all right, so here we go. Matt gave us a, a thought matrix. What we believe overrides what we decide, and what we decide overrides the outcomes. It's greater than, right? That's the thought matrix that he built this upon, right? So what we believe, we have to understand how does that work within our lives? Where do our belief processes come from? Because what happens is most, most behavioral therapy starts with what you decide. And, and it focuses entirely upon self-discipline. Now, if you're a self-disciplined person, great. You will love behavioral therapy because you'll be able to implement good self-discipline. But eventually, your love of self it will override self-discipline and you'll make choices to please yourself that will break relationships. Why? Because you're more important than others. That's, what behavior, that's why behavioral therapy fails. We have to change the literal way that we believe, all right? So watch what happens neurologically in this, in this next image, okay? This is, what I've, uh, this is how I try to explain it, okay? So this is your brain, all right? That's a brain image. And imagine that it's a cross-section as you're standing sideways, and this part is your frontal lobe, this part is kind of like the middle of your brain, and then the lower part is like a cross-section of your lower, lower part of the brain thus also cutting your amygdala off, right? And the lower part of your brain is what controls all of your heart and your mind and your mouth and all that other good stuff, right? It's your amygdala is also called your seat of emotions. Okay, so when we are forming, all right, when we are born into this world, we're all born with a brain. Now, I also need to clarify that this is, I'm making a lot of assumptions based upon a properly developing brain, a properly developing body, and a properly, uh, and when I say properly developing brain, it means all of your chemicals are being released the way that they need to be being released within your mind, okay? Now, that's a big assumption because it doesn't always happen that way, all right? So, the dates, the days, and the years, they're approximate. Everybody's a little bit different, all right? This is an image. I get that there are complexities in this. I'm trying to reduce this down to a 30-minute sermon. All right, <laughs> so when we're born, zero to seven years old, we are, we are faced with what we call nature versus nurture, and it's not versus anything. It's nature and, all right? You have a natural personality, and you have parents that you're born to and an environment that you're born into. And your natural personality is going to naturally respond to the environment in which you live, thus causing all kinds of things to happen within us in our neurological pathways as our brain develops. 7 to 14, we go through another confirmation bias type deal thing. That's the best way I can describe it. And everything that you experience, you now get to process it based upon what your parents said, all right? So parents, if you're, if you're full of anxiety and fear, guess what? You're going to pass that on to your kids, all right? It's, just, it's nature of the beast. Blame yourself, hate yourself, don't do that because it's not worth it. But just acknowledge the fact that don't take your kid to a 
counselor and tell them to fix the stress if you're not fixing your own stress, all right, and your own anxiety. All right, so when they get to 7 and 14, they continue that pathway. Now, if you've, any of you have raised a child, around about the age of 13 and 14, you think the devil took over, okay? And so what happens, <laughs> you all had teenagers. All right, so what happens, or you were one, ha-ha, <laughs> right? All right? So something unique happens at that stage of life. Our brains continue to develop, but now we want to separate from mom and dad, and we start creating our own thought processes as well. This is where a lot of addictive tendencies kick in, all right? Because now we're really into pleasing ourselves, the old man. It's all about self-pleasure, self-protection, self-preservation, all right? All the decisions that we make during that time. This thing that looks like a ladder is actually a railroad track that represents a neurological pathway that drives every decision that you make, all right? Now, 14 to 30, all right? Now, if you ever study the scriptures, the Jewish culture says that you're not considered an adult until you're age 30 years old. I think God might have known a little something about neuroscience. We're just now catching up 10,000 years later. All right. But neuroscience suggests that our brains really aren't finished developing between 26 to 30 years old, depending on who you read. Women develop faster. Why? Well, number one, the prefrontal cortex is actually bigger than a man's. Doesn't surprise anybody in here by the decisions we make, right? <laughs> it also, their myelin sheath covers their dendrites that are connecting all the neurological pathways. Way too much to go into. It's happening faster in a woman than it's happening in a man. Don't ever ask your teenager what you're thinking. And don't, well, you can ask them, but don't get mad at them if they, I don't know. They don't know because it's short-circuited. They don't have the myelin sheath in order to, they really doesn't. Like, they probably weren't thinking at all, all right? Or it started with a good thought and somewhere it got derailed. When they say, I don't know. But that happens all the way to 30s. Think about your 20s and 30s. We made some horrible decisions during there. And then we lived the rest of our life making up for the decisions we made during that time. Yeah. Well, guess what? Your kids are doing the same thing you did. All right. So don't get mad at them. Just love them. All right. So these are all happening. You have a conscious mind, a subconscious mind, and an unconscious mind. Now, in the seat of emotions, according to the scriptures, Jeremiah says, our emotions, our mind is utterly wicked above all else who can know it. Right, what is that mind? All throughout the scriptures, in the Old Testament and New Testament, it talks about the mind and the heart. Same thing. It's a seat of emotions. Guess what our seat of emotions are? It's our amygdala. All right? So what kind of processes, when we look at the realm of counseling and we look at the wheel of emotions, there's about 21 different emotions. But again, for sake of ease, I break them down to three. I believe that we can, we can create that wheel of emotions out of about three base emotions, joy, fear, and anger. When we're zero to seven, we learn as a child how we're going to process joy. Basically, how are we going to celebrate what makes us happy? All right? We're going to process how we deal with fear and anxiety. We're going to process how we, may, how we deal with anger. Guess who you're watching? Mom and dad. Guess what our children do? You want to know if you have children? They're little sponges. You get mad at what they say? Listen to what you said. All right? Or it's usually spouse gets mad at spouse because, did you hear what they just said? That's because of you. <laughs> or there's the bet. <laughs> I wonder which word he's going to learn first, right? All right. Why? Because of little sponges. They learn how we react to stress and, and life around us. It's impossible to not do that. Then you bring in their own sinful nature, and it's a double whammy. We got this old man that's happening inside of us. All right, so that's the, that's the best I can do with what's happening right now, and I need you to remember that as we continue to read through the Scripture, because this is happening at a split second. This neurological pathway, what we've discovered is fortunately God creates adults, right? He, he, we all grow and develop into adults. What we've discovered is that the prefrontal cortex can override any mo emotion if we let it. But depending upon the stressor, depending upon the trauma, this neurological pathway can be like a 12-lane highway to your emotion system, okay? 
And if it is not under control of the new man, guess what you're going to do? You're going to go straight to your child brain. I'll call it your devolving brain. Why? Because it's the one that Jeremiah says it's utterly wicked above all else. Who can know it? Oh, God knows your emotions. And usually so does everybody else if it's not controlled by the Spirit. All right, so we keep on going. All right, 2 Corinthians 5, 17 through 18 says this. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away, and look, new things have come. So the other side of that image, the new man, it's the same thing as the old man. The only difference, the only difference is the new man has the power of the Spirit to control your developmental stages. So no matter what age you are when you give your life to Christ, enter in Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit guides us in our brain processing and how we develop. The earlier a person comes to Christ, the earlier they have the chance of being controlled by the Spirit. The problem is most of us don't tell people how to live their life controlled by the Spirit. We focus upon the day that Jesus is coming back again and he's going to defeat it all, right? But until that day, we are living in fleshly bodies that are condemned to death and mortality. We spend an abundant amount of time trying to make these things immortal. And the reality is you're going to die. The minute you woke up this morning, you are on a one-way path to death. All right? I don't know when. It may be morbid, but it's the truth. I got a one-way ticket off this planet. And what I do with this body until that day needs to glorify God. Because this thing isn't going to last. It could get in a car wreck. It could die of COVID. It could die of cancer. It could die of pulmonary fibrosis. It could die of all kinds of stuff. It could die of murder. It could die of a stray bullet. It could die, it could die in a car accident. But my soul will continue to go on living. And I'm not going to spend an inordinate amount of time trying to keep myself from dying, because it's inevitable. But I will, I will spend an inordinate amount of time living life to the fullest and understanding what the Spirit came to do in this body. Because until I die, how many people am I going to point to Christ along the way? Because that's the whole goal down here. Old things are gone, new has come. Everything is from God who has reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. Our whole goal should be, as followers of Christ, is to reconcile the world to our Savior, to reconcile the world to that overwhelming love of Christ that we just sang about. That's our role down here. But for the most of us, we don't even reconcile ourselves to Christ. We don't even look at ourselves through the proper lens of Christ and the proper lens of who Christ and what Christ has done in our lives. That's the new man. That's the new man. Do we want to live by the new man and the image and the, the neurological pathways that Christ has given to us? You see, the beautiful thing, that I, I love Paul. Paul was talking neuroscience long before neuroscience is even a word. Jump to uh, uh, 2 Corinthians, or 1 Corinthians 13, excuse me. He says, when I was a child, I spoke and I thought and I reasoned as a child. Remember the, the brain image, the seed of emotions? When I was a child... I, I operated out of my base emotions of joy, fear, and anger as a child. But when I grew up, in other translations, when I became a man, I put away childish things. What's he talking about? He's talking about when I grew up, when my brain finished developing, I was now able to harness my conscious mind and override my emotional mind. That's, if you read Paul from that lens, every time he talks about transforming your mind that is the process that he's talking about now the beautiful thing of a child going through that stage is they still have the holy spirit to help form their mind while their brain is still forming but until that day ends and until we're in our 30s we now have 
the ability to literally override every emotion that we're experiencing. That's a a beautiful thing that Paul was writing about 2,000 years ago. But the unfortunate part is, is we don't live like that. Our old man is driven by a by a selfish desire, that old, that side on, the, on, the, on this side, the right side, that old, or your left, my right, the old man is driven by selfish desires to create happiness. We just want to, we want to lash out. We want to bite and devour one another because it's all about how people affect me. As the world is falling apart like that. We cannot serve ourselves and others at the same time. We can't do it. It's impossible. Our personalities, our nature, our natural tendencies will will make this process look different in each one of our lives, but the reality is each one of us is down here to point others to a reconciled relationship with Jesus Christ. And each one of our personalities is different in doing that. What you learned as a child to deal with joy, fear, and anger is affecting you to this day. And you have to harness it by the power of the Holy Spirit. When our minds... And our, and our lives are controlled by the Spirit, it literally transforms the way that we think. The Spirit literally can overwhelm our emotions. We can be overwhelmed by the Spirit to change our behavior. Instead of sin, anger, fear, pride, lust, all you could, and, and as Matt was sharing two weeks ago, we create ways to sin. Why? Because we create ways to satisfy ourselves. And ourselves are never satisfied. There's always something new that we can create and do to make ourselves happy. Our quest for happiness is so insanely wrong. It drives us to do wrong actions. Look at what the the scriptures continue to go on to say. When we do this, in this process, the Holy Spirit is the key to win that battle that's happening within our minds. It's the only way we're going to win that battle is when we submit to the power of the Spirit to keep us from engaging in sin. Keep going. Look at Romans chapter 7. When we were controlled by our old nature, the sinful desires were at work with us. It was driving our decisions. And the law aroused these evil desires that produced a harvest of sinful deeds resulting in death. What is that death? That We're like, well, I'm not dead yet. No, but think about all the broken relationships that exist in your life from the time you were born until you're now, And all the brokenness that has happened because of sin. Your sin or their sin. But sin is all about, sin is all driven out of selfish behaviors. Sin is all about satisfying yourself. And that's what Christ and the Holy Spirit has given us power over, is to no longer live by the old sinful nature within us. Keep going. So don't be conformed, as Romans 12, 2 says, to this age, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Remember those little neurological pathways. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Let the Holy Spirit rewrite the neurological pathways from your base emotions to your prefrontal cortex so that you may discern what is good, pleasing, and the perfect will of God. The conscious mind is able to override all those negative things, all those thoughts that happen, and we have to take it captive according to the love of Jesus Christ, right? So these things are happening at a I'll even just say a nanosecond process within our lives. We have to ask ourselves, is it something that we want to continue to allow to occur within us? Or do we want want God to control it? Let me show you the other image that I incorporate into the the brain image, right? So this is, I call it the, uh, I used to call it the grief wheel. So my, my 
training has morphed, all right? Uh, then this year, through a lot of the counseling I've done, I call it the COVID wheel because it, it's, COVID has brought out a lot of stuff in our lives. Um, it's revealed a few fractures. It's taken us back to our devolving brain emotionally on many occasions. But now take out COVID and just put sin. It's the sin wheel. Now the reality is most of us live in a place of denial in our, in our lives, right? We, most of us don't ever really want to acknowledge how bad our sin really is. You see, because what we do is we take the world and we compare ourselves to the world. Well, compared to the world, I mean, eh, I'll put... I'll just put Hitler in there. I look pretty good compared to Hitler. Like, I don't have near the anger issues that man had, right? I'll put Dommler in there. I'll put Ted Bundy in there. I don't have near the issues they have. We put everybody else in there, but the reality is we're choosing the wrong litmus test. The litmus test we need to be using is God. The righteousness of God should be our litmus test. And compared to him, the Bible says we all fall short, Right? Our litmus test of sin, we live in this place of denial. Well, my sin's not really that bad. So we never even get to the wheel because we don't even think what we're doing in our neurological pathways really makes that big a difference because it's really more about them because if they wouldn't have chosen that, I wouldn't be who I am today. And you just need to love me for who I am because that's the way I was born, right? How, we, 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 I mean, we laugh, but it's what people say. It's what we do. It's how we live. So we got to get past that denial then then what happens is this wheel, remember the railroad track, the wheel of sin starts rolling up and down our neurological pathways. And whatever brought us pleasure, whatever brought us peace, whatever brought us anger, whatever filled our, our, our fear, whatever's driving those things, we'll just hop on that wheel because it's what we've been doing for years. All right? And so sometimes we get angry about it, sometimes we get frustrated with our actions, or we at best get frustrated with someone else's actions, right? And then we go to the bargaining or the justification of our sin. Bargaining, justification in the sin world. You could use either one interchangeably. If they wouldn't have done that, I wouldn't have done this. If she wouldn't have said that, then I wouldn't have. If he wouldn't have did that, I wouldn't have done that. If he, and we go through all these ifs and that's and buts and those. and It's exhausting, but that wheel is running rampant. I mean, just think about some of the arguments you've had with someone in your brain, and they never even happened, but you spent hours arguing with them. Yeah, I know you. All right, we've all done it. All right. Then we get depressed or sad and we're like, oh, I'm just, I'm just such a loser. I'll never get over this. It's just, and it drives us into making a bad decision again because it's really pointless because we're never going to get over it. Why don't I ever feel the victory that God gives me? And back down the wheel of guilt and shame and condemnation and whatever sin makes you happy, that wheel rolls. Man. And then in comes Christ. And he says, you want to know what you do with that thought wheel? You take it captive. You take, take it captive to the obedience of Jesus Christ. Because I can tell you what to do with that wheel. Because when that wheel starts traveling down your old man, there's only one way to get a hold of that wheel. And it's to live a life guided by the power of the Holy Spirit. You see, because this wheel... It's going to go. You're, you're going to be affected by life. You're going to get, I mean, Jesus promised in this life, you are going to have sorrows. Remember, I started with my mortal body. It's going to die. I'm going to, I'm going to get diseased. I'm going to have all kinds of problems in this world. Jesus promises it. He says, in fact, people are going to hate you because of me. Like he did, he promised nothing but weariness and agony. And we live our lives like somehow or another, he's going to give us a magic peach tree boat that's going to smell like roses and peaches and give us all kinds of happiness on the boat ride to heaven. And he never promised that. 
And then when we get in the boat and it doesn't work out that way, we get all derailed thinking, oh, God's not promising he didn't deliver him. Oh, that's a bunch of bull. He never promised it in the first place. He said, I'm going to give you peace in the midst of your storms. He said, I'm going to give you hope in the midst of the darkness of the world. He says, I'm going to give you victory while you're being tempted with sin. Hmm. And yet we get all derailed because we listen to what the world says Jesus said. Well, let me just tell you, they haven't read the Bible in its entirety. The world takes out little snippets of the Bible and then they create grandiose theologies on it. And for people, i.e. Christians, who have never read their entire Bible, they don't even know how the world is taking it out of context. Why? Because we don't know what Jesus said. And so this little wheel can go amok in our lives because we don't know how to take it captive to the obedience of Christ because we don't even know what Jesus said. We know what the world said Jesus said, but we don't know it in the context. And we aren't living by the power of the Spirit. So the Spirit is what grabs that wheel and, con and contains it within us. You see, from Genesis to Revelation, my friends, from Genesis to Revelation, that wheel has been breaking relationships since the beginning of time. Genesis to Revelation is a book all about the brokenness of relationship with God, self, and others. And the Holy Spirit is the only way that we're ever going to rectify this. So remember the track of our unconscious mind from zero to 30. We've got to do something to stop that neurological wheel from doing more damage to our relationships. But Paul continues to tell us how we do this. First Corinthians tells us again, he says, we're human. Oh, my friends, you heard me pray this morning. God, forgive me of my humanity. I am not standing up here because I got this all figured out. I wrote a book on the Holy Spirit. I really did. And I'm the first one to tell you that I forget what I wrote sometimes because I'm still driven by my old man. Why? Because it is so pervasive within us. But we're human, all right? But because of our humanity, he gave us an answer. We don't wage war as humans do. Now, most of us do, but we don't have to. We use God's mighty weapons. Do we? We don't use worldly weapons to knock down the strongholds of human reasoning. Well, most of us do. We use what the world tells us and social influencers. We don't use those things to destroy false arguments. Keep going. No, we destroy every proud obstacle that keeps people from knowing God. That's our whole reason for being down here, is to be a minister of reconciliation, to point people back to Christ. We capture their rebellious thoughts and teach them to obey Christ. That's right here. That's where that passage of Scripture talks about take every thought captive to the obedience of Jesus Christ. Are we doing that in our daily lives? Look at what Paul says in the book of Romans. Don't let sin control the way you live. Don't, don't give in to those sinful desires, those sinful desires that were birthed within you. Don't give in to them anymore. Don't let your, now I added, I added this, this is not in the Bible, this is parentheses, are my words. Don't let your sin wheel go down the tracks of your old man, causing any part of your body to become an instrument of evil to serve sin. Don't do it. Instead, give yourselves completely to God. For you were dead. You were dead to your sin. You were bound. Remember we sang that song, we're liberated from the bondage. But now you have new life. We have a new man. We have a literal new way in writing a neurological pathway to the way we deal with our emotions. So use your whole body as an instrument to do what is right for the glory of God. We have that access within us. Keep going. Sin or self-love, your flesh, my words, sin is no longer your master. 
For you no longer live under the requirements of the law. Instead, you live under the freedom of God's grace. You have the access to God's grace, his freedom. The question is, are we going to live in it? Are we going to allow the Spirit of God to manifest itself in our lives like that? You see, in moments of joy and anger, even in moments of joy, many times people forget this. Our, our experience with joy, the way we celebrate, oftentimes takes us to a sinful place. And that's a hard one to think about. Yeah, but I'm just so happy. You would not believe how happy sin can make you. Because the Bible even says sin is pleasurable for a season, but in the end it leads to death, right? And if, if sin doesn't make you happy, then I'm just here to tell you, you're sinning wrong. Okay? <laughs> you're, a, you're a crappy sinner. That's all I got to say. You don't know how to do it. But when we sin, it brings a sense of fulfillment. We don't have to be, we don't have to be slaves to that anymore. God gave us victory over it. I want to end with, with Paul's words to the Romans, right? Because we're just like the Romans. I mean, think about it. The Romans were, were Gentiles. They weren't, they, didn't, they weren't exposed to the teachings of Christ. Paul had to teach them everything that Christ had done in their lives. So we're going to jump to uh, Romans. It says, so now there is no condemnation. So everything that I've said, no matter what sin or whatever anger or whatever thing is going through your mind or whatever you did as you walked through the doors last night, there's no condemnation. Right? There's no condemnation. You have heard no condemnation. If you're condemning yourself right now, it is your mind and it is the enemy's voice. It is not the voice of God. For those who belong to Christ Jesus, Jesus won the war. My words, Matt's words. And because you belong to him, the power of the life-giving spirit has freed you from the power of sin that leads to death. Amen. Keep going. He did this so that, just, so that the just requirement of the law would, know, would be fully satisfied for us who no longer follow our sinful nature, but instead we follow the Spirit. Remember, we follow the Spirit. We get to follow the Spirit. Those who are dominated by the sinful nature, think about the sinful things. Those who are dominated by the self and the self-love and, and focusing upon how other people treat me, sinful things. But those who are controlled by the Holy Spirit, they think about things that please the Spirit. Why? Because the Spirit wins the battles. Jesus won the war, no condemnation. Spirit wins the battles. Keep going. So letting your sinful nature control your mind leads to death. Broken relationship. Going down old man route, you're going to break every relationship when you try and please yourself because you can't please God and please others at the same time. But letting the Spirit control your mind leads to life and peace. And understand, again, the, the promise of peace is mental. It's not physical. This body's dying. Keep going. For the sinful nature is always, the sinful nature, here it is, that left side, the old man, is always hostile to God. It never did obey God's laws, and it never will. We are born into sin. The only way out of that is through Christ, right? Because how do we get the Holy Spirit? It's through Christ. That's why those who are still under the control of their sinful nature can never please God. Keep going. But you, all those who claim to be followers of Christ, you're not controlled by that sinful nature anymore. You're controlled by the Spirit if you have the Spirit of God living in you. Uh, do you have the Spirit of living God in you? Oh, wait, he's... He, and remember that those who do not have the Spirit of Christ living in them, they don't even belong to him at all. So he's alluding to other teachings where if you put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, you have the Spirit of God. You're holding a fully charged flashlight. Now, you may not use it, but you have access to it. And Christ lives within you, within you so even though your body will die because of sin, this earthly tent is going to be gone. 
The Spirit gives you life because you have been made right with God. The point of Christ on the cross and his death, he made us right with God. The Spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead lives in each of you. Just as God raised Christ from the dead, remember we kicked this off on Easter, right? So just as, Christ, just as God raised Christ from the dead, he will give life to your mortal bodies by the same Spirit living within you. The same Spirit that is living within you. Therefore, dear brothers and sisters, you have no obligation to do what your sinful nature urges you to do. You don't have to live according to your old man anymore. For if you live by its dictates, you will die. You will destroy every relationship you're in. But if through the power of the Spirit you put to death the deeds of your sinful nature, you will live. My friends, it is a war that you cannot lose because Christ won it. Through Christ, you and I have been set free. Through Christ, we have been given keys to his kingdom, right? Through Christ, we have been given life and life abundantly. Through Christ, we have inherited his full inheritance. But if you want to experience daily victory, if you want daily victory, the one and only way is to learn to walk with the Spirit daily. That's my challenge to you today. If you have put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit lives within you. He has literally given you the power to rewrite, rewrite neurological pathways in your brain. It's fascinating what God has done in the realm of neuroscience and what he has made possible for those who choose to trust and follow him. But we, my friends, we have to allow the Holy Spirit to rule our lives daily. It's our choice whether or not we turn on the flashlight. God gave it to us. He won the war, but he gives us the choice of whether or not we're going to live by the Spirit. That's why he says, don't quelch the Spirit. Don't grieve the Spirit, because it's the Spirit's role to guide us and transform us while we're on this earth. Let's pray. Dear God, you are an amazing God, and you have given us access to incredible freedom, incredible truths, incredible power. And so God, we just yield ourselves to you today. Lord, if there is someone in this room who has never made a decision to follow you, then they are walking without the power of the Spirit that I've just been talking about. Lord, let today be the day where they're like, Lord, forgive me for walking without you in my life. I surrender to you and fill me with your Spirit. And Lord, for those of us that have chosen to follow you, God, we do have the Spirit within us. Some of us use our light regularly. Some of us leave it off regularly. Some of us may not even know that we even had a flashlight in our hands. But God, your Spirit has been with us each step of the way. So allow your Spirit to transform us. Lord, may we look at our lives, may we look at our minds just a little bit differently today so that you can truly have control over us and transform the way we think that we can override all sinful urges because of the work of the Spirit within our lives. And God, forgive us. Forgive us for our humanity. Forgive us for our old man, our old flesh, our sinful nature that drives so many of our decisions in ruining relationships. 
Thank you for your grace, Jesus. Thank you for your mercy. Thank you for the fact that you do not condemn a single one of us. And God, help us to live victoriously daily. We love you, Jesus. Amen.